Hello, everybody! Welcome to another episode of Moaning Myrtle's Bathroom. I'm Katie. I'm Emily. Um, it's a Harry Potter podcast <laughs> where we both have grown about all things Harry Potter. I forgot to say that right away. I feel like, okay, whenever I listen to your intros, you're always like, we're a Harry Potter podcast, and I'm always like, here's our name, let's get into it. <laughs> listen, there's just a lot going on, and it's fine, and it's acceptable. It's fine. Katie, what are we going to talk about today? Today we are talking about mental health in the Harry Potter world. Mm -hmm. So, um, (laughs) this is something that we both feel very strongly about because both of us kind of come from a background of studying a lot about mental health Mm -hmm. stuff, just with like what we studied in school and stuff like that. (laughs) And also my whole life. (laughs) And also real life, we both deal with it ourselves. (laughs) Um... And I feel like it's just something that's not addressed very often no. by fans or in the series, really, at all. Yeah, so, that's um, something we're really going to be talking about. <laughs> oh my god. Daisy's also dealing with some mental trauma today. <laughs> She's really not liking having me over today. Okay, that's enough. Okay, so today we're going to go just talk about, like, our overall thoughts about it, I think, for starters, and then kind of dig deep into, like, specific characters that are dealing with some issues and and stuff. (laughs) People who need help. People who need help. We've already talked about Tom Riddle, but we'll talk about more today. I I can't talk about him ever. But before we do that, it's time to talk about some floods. Yeah, we're back to our normal toilet floods again. <laughs> we are. I feel like we haven't done them in a while because whenever we do like the movie commentaries and the the book club episodes, we don't. I know have floods. We did it last week for trivia, but still, oh, that's right. Feels like it feels like years. it's been forever. <laughs> I know it feels like years. It does. <laughs> so, Katie, yes, I have a question for you, and it's what's been flooding your toilet? Um, what's been flooding my toilet is something that I said that I was going to kind of keep a running track of in my floods every so often, and mm-hmm. I feel like I haven't for a while, but I'm just back with more updates on this ride at Universal Studios. I'm so excited. Um, it's, I mean, there's still not, like, a ton that we know about it yet, but from, like, sh- pictures of it and stuff, it looks like it's going to be, like, a forbidden forest type of thing, mm-hmm. where you're going to come face-to-face with lots of, like, creatures and stuff like no, that in the forest, no, so it's supposed to be, like, there. scary. No I think it'll be cool. I'm just, I'm kind of a little bit like, how is it going to be freaky if you're on, like, a high-speed roller coaster? Yeah. Like, it's not like you're going to come face-to-face with a lot of creatures. You'll just go, like, whizzing by them, you know? Yeah. So, I don't know. We'll see. I'm, I'm not really sure. I mean, I guess the forest is just scary with all the darkness and the noises and creepy stuff, so. Yeah. Maybe it'll just be, like, suspenseful. I don't really know. Maybe they give you headphones. Maybe. And it's a whole situation. Or I'm sure there's just, like, speakers in your little... In your seats, yeah. ...cart or something. Oh, I don't know. I also saw a picture that showed that, like, the the actual, like, cart that, like, people will be, like, riding in is the, like, motorbike and, like, sidecar from the opening of Deathly Hallows, like, Sirius's bike. So I don't know how that will, like, fit into the storyline of the the ride at all, unless it's just, like, Hagrid has the bike at Hogwarts and you're going on a ride. Yeah. Honestly, a better one would have been, like, a four-seater in the car. Mm-hmm. For the I forest? I know. Yeah, for the Fort Anglia. I don't know. 
But that's what it looks like it's going to be right now. And it looks like they're going to have all kinds of, like, water features and, like, cool trees. And they have, like, these big areas where they're starting to build, like, all these magical creatures and stuff. So that's what it looks like it's going to be. Yeah. I'm excited. I just, I like, I want to know more about it because there's been so much speculation and I'm constantly like, well, what? How are they going to? I don't, uh, what's it? I don't know. I think it's supposed to open, like, this year. Like, in the spring or summer or something. Wow. So, like, they're not that far away from, like, opening it, so I'm sure all will be revealed pretty soon. Yeah. What it is. I was surprised when I saw that it was, like, a 2019, like, opening day. That's crazy. Yeah. So. I feel like, how can you build that shit so fast? I know. I mean, I guess they've been working on it for a while, and it's just, like, now it's kind of starting to actually take form and not just be, like, a coaster track, you know? Mm. But. So, I'm excited. I want to go back and ride it. <laughs> I, I know. We'll have to go back when the hype has died down. When we have money. Yeah. When the hype has died down, so we don't have to wait so long in we'll line. give it a couple years. <laughs> That's what I did we'll with Green generously give it a couple years. Uh, I did not mistake. Big mistake. With <laughs> Three hours for that ride the first time, Katie. The perk, though, is that, like, going on the Hogwarts ride. So fast. Like, oh, there's no one's going to want to go on that no one. There's a new ride. <laughs> no one's going to be on that one. Oh, my God. So this is all just getting me very pumped for the next time I do go back to Florida, yeah. which it won't be for years, but mm-hmm. I'm excited for when it does happen. I know. It'll be fun. I want to go back. Hopefully they'll have some new Fantastic Beast stuff added yeah. by that point, too. Well, I especially want to go back right now because if you guys um, aren't aware, we're in the middle of a polar vortex. <laughs> yeah! <laughs> and I can't stand it! I know. And I would like to be somewhere a little warmer, it at least. It has been so cold, like, legit, like 30, 40 below. So much snow. And every time I complain to my mom, she's like, Katie, like, we live in Minnesota. Like, this is typical for this time of year. And I'm like, it's not not this, though. But global warming has spoiled me that winter was so delayed. And now it's coming in full force. (laughs) Right. I know. And I feel like, like, previous winters that we've had the last few years have not gotten this bad. No, not so, not with the temperatures for sure. But yeah, I'd love to be. I'd love to be in Florida right now. I feel like Florida in the winter is like the perfect time because I don't get hot and sweaty and feel like I want to die. But it's right. still warmer than here. I know. <laughs> I know. We were. I was there like this time last year, and it was like sixty degrees, and it oh, was like perfect. God, bring me to so. Florida now. Oh, dreaming of Florida. <laughs> <laughs> so Emily, what has been flooding your toilet this week? Well, speaking of spooky, scary things, Uh-oh. I have some news about the third Fantastic Beasts movie. <laughs> oh, no! Uh, so, last time, I believe it was last time, we talked about the delay yeah. of filming. Well, now there's more. Uh-oh. So, Dan Fogler, who plays Jacob, yeah. has revealed why the third film has been delayed. This is an article from Digital Spy. It says that it was recently delayed and that they start filming in the fall because, quote, the movie is going to be gigantic. The reason we were given that the movie is bigger than the first two... Oh, the reason we were given is that the movie is bigger than the first two combined. (laughs) Joanne. They needed more time to prep and didn't want to rush anything, so they pushed it back. I can tell you that we are going to Brazil. I, I don't that. really know much. I'll get a script closer to when we start shooting. And that's it. So, they we don't really know if it's going to affect 
it being out in 2020 or not. Yeah. Or, like, what the deal is. There's nothing... There's nothing anything, but I don't know. And then oh. there's just more stuff saying that, like, there are going to be some... She says, um, author J.K. Rowling has promised fans that answers are given in this film. Ugh. Answers given about After the shocking revelation about Ezra Miller's Creed and Sparebone in the Crimes of Grindelwald. Oh. I... If the only answer that I will accept is that it shows Grindelwald lying... <laughs> I don't want any other explanation besides that. I mean, really, we have to save it because, um, for real, in real time, you guys, we're back on doing this in real time. Next week, the movie comes out. Or I suppose this week, since this comes out on Monday. Yeah. Friday, the movie comes out digitally, and so we're going to get it and do our thing, and we're going to have a lot to say about Fantastic Beasts, which we talked about last week. But, like, we're going to have to save it. But I do just want to say... Um, this news has me feeling really anxious because I think I previously said to you, I'm fine with all the fun traveling Mm -hmm. as long as it stays in Europe. Joanne? We're not in Europe anymore. We're in South America. She has to stop. Yeah. I feel really weird and anxious because it's like... Can you stop stepping on people of color what to, like, do kind stuff, of, please? Like, what would even be bringing the story to Brazil? Like, I don't understand, like, why they even, like, have to go there. Why is it... Why? He's a Europe thing. Right. Get out. I know. Like, I, I kind of so get him nervous. feeling like he needs to hide in the United States, but literally anywhere else, I'm kind of like... Really, Why? honestly, America, I got, it's fine. Now stay in Europe, because this right. is a European thing. Yeah. Go away. I know. It makes me feel even more anxious, because it's like, I feel nervous that we're then, if it's like, okay, so now this is happening, we're going into South America, like, I'm really nervous we're gonna head over to East Asia, or something like, please don't. Please don't. Please don't. Or just like don't. somewhere in Africa. I don't want her to go anywhere. I know. She makes me nervous. Oh, I feel anxious. I don't like that. I mean, like, I don't know. Maybe she'll learn her lesson this time and actually, like, talk to people. If she's gonna use, like, indigenous culture as the background for her magic. Right. And actually learn about their culture first. So gross. I Ugh. just, yeah, I feel really, I feel really nervous. Because she fucked up real bad with America. She did, yeah. And I feel like that's not that hard. Right. Like, if Stephanie Meyer could do it, right. Joanne could do it. I know. Ah, like, you just shouldn't. You just shouldn't fuck up that bad and then go other places while defending yourself for doing something bad the first time around. I know. Oh, my God. I don't like it. So, yeah, I feel a little nervous Is this third movie the one where we're going to get a lot more of the, like, flashback stuff with Elvis and Gellert? I hope so. I hope so, too. That might be a fourth movie I don't want to wait four years for that. (laughs) (laughs) I want it now. I know. That little taste in the mirror in the last movie was not enough for me. <laughs> so, anyway, we'll talk more about Ugh. Fantastic Beasts later, but that news, like, just came out yesterday. So, like, I wanted to make sure that we discussed it because... Ooh. I'm nervous. I'm, I feel like it's a good thing that they're taking time. 
because after they got kind of shredded for this last movie, it's good that they're taking time to, like, really make sure that they're doing something good. Right. So, I mean, I don't think they got shredded for the right reasons. No. But they deserved it a little bit for some of the shit that they pulled in that movie. But, know. you know, it's like, who cares? We'll get into it. I just needed to bring it up. So I, sh- I, I think we should just get move on. It. Let's just get okay. into it. So I think what we need to discuss first is just kind of like what is already put out there. So I have some notes about kind of like St. Mungo's and like there's really nothing at the school at all. Mm-hmm. And there was something on Pottermore that, um, that she wrote like an actual thing oh, that really? she wrote about illness and disability mm-hmm. in the wizarding world, um, where she talked about the, like, werewolf HIV stigma mm-hmm. stuff or whatever, and I was like, okay, relax. And then... <laughs> <laughs> no, I... Okay, I... we There's things to say about that for when Prisoner of Azkaban rolls around. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. I... Um, there, I read that through to see if there was really anything. Mostly, all that I got out of it was she didn't talk about mental illness at all. Like, nothing in there, which I didn't really expect. But I just thought, hey, you know, Maybe. some some stuff can be considered a disability. So it's like, I don't know, what do you want to do? So she didn't really yeah. talk about that much. She didn't even really talk about, like, I don't know, like... <laughs> wheelchairs or other like physical disabilities nothing like that so she just kind of skated over that a little bit I don't know she just I don't know if she just lives in this world where it's like since they're all magical all that stuff can be cured by magic okay see this is this is the thing is that she says that muggle illnesses they have a way around so it's like Things like the common cold was an example that she said is like easily fixed fixed with magic and that like the flu magic based illness disability or harm mm-hmm. was harder to deal with. Okay. And so like that's what more of the sickness is. So then it's like I wonder then what happens if th- because then this is it. So then let's talk about St. Mungo's then. Which is for magical maladies and injuries. Magical. So, like, are there regular hospitals that wizards and witches can go to that treat things that are muggle illnesses that they get? Because, like, I'll, like, take a step back from the crazy, just one-off eugenics line in Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them about, like, biology and right. being different between, like, wizards and witches and, and muggles. Yeah. So, like, that always puts me off. But, like, take that aside for a second. They're still human beings. Right. So they're gonna get sick with human illnesses. I wonder if, like, the the way that they treat those, like, human illnesses would just be as simple as, like, a potion that they can, like, keep in I their house. I think it is, because so they're So it's like said, you don't even have to go to a doctor for it. Yeah, so, like, we see that for, like, I believe, like, cold and flu stuff is, like, that pepper-up potion. Right. That everybody gets in the winter time <laughs> that we read yeah. about. So it's, like, that kind of stuff. And then, uh, but that's my question. It's like, well, then what do you, what do you do for like this other stuff? I wonder for like big muggle diseases. Like if someone were to get like cancer or something like that. Like you can't cure that with a potion. I don't think. 
Because that's crazy. I don't know. So it's just, it's all a whole thing. And so then I wonder, like, okay, so if St. Mungo's isn't it, because spoiler alert, it's not, mm-hmm. then are there other places to go? Or then are, like, wizards and witches, like, forced to go to muggle therapists and have to, like, hide so much of who they are, their life, and not right. be, and, like, lie so much? And is that even, like, you know, conducive to a good therapy experience. Like, I don't know. So it's all this stuff, but let me just say what I got out of looking into St. Mungo's a little bit is that all that we get is that there is a wing for long-term residents slash spell damage. Which we see because that's where Lockhart is. That's where Lockhart is. But there is... No discussion of any non-magic-based illnesses. Right. Or disorders or anything. So then, let's see. Yeah, so then I just, like, I wonder, because she says that it's so easy to cure muggle illnesses, like, but non-magic-induced trauma. Mm -hmm. Is that cured just as easily? Because you think of, like... Like, what are you going to do? Are you going to, like, force-feed Harry Potter cheering charms for the rest of his adult life? Right. Is that how you medicate and deal with, like, depression and PTSD right. in the Harry Potter world? Is that how you're supposed to do? De- that doesn't no, seem real to me. Because even in our world, like, just, like, trying to, like, hide your symptoms with, like, medicine, like, is not effective for, like, dealing with that stuff. And I no. don't think it would be any different for magical people. It can't like, be. you have to be able to, like, go to a therapist and, like, process your trauma. It's, yeah. And then you even think of, like, so at Hogwarts, is there anything? Like, I think about even when I was in elementary school, like, we had a school counselor that was right. specifically for that. And, like, I, I went to the school counselor due to, like, friendship troubles. Right. And other things like that. And so it's, like, do... Does Madame Pomfrey sit and have, like, silly putty for kids to, like, play with and try not to cry while talking about their friends being mean to them? (laughs) Right. (laughs) What do they have? I know. Like, I feel like, and, like, and then just, like, looking at, like, my high school had the same thing, too. And, like, Hogwarts is high school. Like, they're high school-age students. So, like, of course they're going to have that, like, coming-of-age, like, trauma and... Not trauma, but, like, stress. Well, these kids definitely have trauma. Like, yeah, Hogwarts, like, aside from Harry Potter's generation, needs a counselor anyway. Right. But especially these kids where every fucking year... There's something big and dramatic that happens. So this is, like, what I want to talk about, too, is, like... We need to talk about Ginny, period, and we'll get to it when we talk about specifics, but, like... Speaking of, like, Chamber of Secrets-based stuff, because, like, we just read that and got into it, and that was a lot. What about these kids who were, like, dead for half a year? Right. What about the petrified students? Like, are are they going to get anything? No, they just get to be happy that they wake up, thank God I'm alive, lucky you, and I don't have to take finals and I get to go home. Hooray. Yeah. What are you talking about? That's traumatic. They There's don't stuff remember every it, but year like where people are almost dying. It's it's like you're going to sleep and then waking up like three months later. It's not good, right? So, I just it's a lot. There was something that came up when I was looking into this. Um, I was looking on like a little forum 
about people discussing mental health in Harry Potter, and I saw yeah. that somebody brought up. It's in Order of the Phoenix. It's offhandedly mentioned, um, I believe, after Harry puts his article out, mm-hmm. and he's getting all these letters. Um, and let me find the quote. Somebody suggested that Harry needs to um, enroll in a course of shock spells at St. Mungo's. This is the only thing... Oh. This is the only nod that we're given in the entire thing. And this is what freaks me out. So, like, do they mean shock in terms of, like, being in shock? shock, Or do they mean the muggle shock therapy? Yeah. Which is horrifying. Right. It doesn't work. No. It's proven that it doesn't do anything. So, I, it, like, that's the one thing we get, and it's just offhand, nothing else to say about it. Right. Shock spells. A course of shock spells at St. Mungo. So, we get a hint oh that, like, God. there's something. There's something you can do if you I feel like, like that's been the kind of stuff that gets reserved for, like, big, big traumas, like, big deals. You know? And so many of these characters do have that. So, like, I don't. Like, what are they going to do for all these people after this war is over? Right. All these kids. All these people who have had family members die after fighting Voldemort. (laughs) Right. It's tough. It's, oh, it's crazy to me that, like, so many people think that these characters can just move on from this kind of stuff. And it's not just her as an author, but it's, like, characters in the books, like, expect their, like, friends to just, like, get over stuff. Yes. Like, you see it with Ginny, you see it with Cho mm-hmm. after Cedric is killed. Yeah. Like, people are, like, mad at her for being so emotional and depressed when her boyfriend was just murdered. And it's just, like, I don't yeah. know. I read this really awesome fan fiction once about, like, the year after the battle, like, the first year after the battle. And Harry goes through, like, severe depression and guilt after yeah. it. Because he's like, this is my fault. Like, everybody is suffering. Everybody has lost somebody. And it's all because of me. And I'm like, this is so real. And, like, <laughs> I I give so much credit to the author of that fan fiction Because it's like, if J.K. Rowling had written something that was, like, immediately after the battle, I promise you, if she wouldn't have had any kind of trauma, it would have been everyone, like, holding hands and singing kumbaya and being like, this is all done. Like, (laughs) we can be happy again and, like, not even mourning or being depressed or anything. So I was just like, this is so real. And I think as we get into the books, like, I'm continually surprised every time I read the openings to each book after the first one. Like, even Chamber of Secrets, I was like, he's still having intense nightmares about this quarrel thing. Right. And it's been a matter of weeks since he's been back. So, like, and then in the third one, you know, we haven't started that yet, so I don't know. There's probably going to be some nightmare stuff in that, but I think especially of Order of the Phoenix, which is the big one. <laughs> That's the big book yeah. for all this stuff. But, like, severe he, PTSD there. He's, he's having a really hard time, and yeah. it blows me away every time that, like, this stuff is there, and it is in the books, but it's never, ever dealt with. Right. Like, she puts it all out there. Like, the trauma and the mental illness that a lot of these characters have is, like, so true and honest and there. But there's nothing that comes from it. Yeah. Like, it just sits there and exists, and you just are left feeling, you like, You have bad. to deal with it. 
Yeah. But no one ever does. And I know that for Harry, for sure, he's not given time to. Right. He's not given opportunities to. At all. Dumbledore. Ugh. But there's, like, I don't know, for other people, is there any chance or hope? Like... Right. What do you do for, like, you see all these people, all these kids, you find out can see Thestrals. What do you do now? Yeah. What do you do about that? Nothing. I don't know. And I saw some interesting discussion about, um, like, talking about what, what would wizarding therapy look like? Mm -hmm. And I saw some, somebody talk about the pensive, or however you prefer to say it. Yeah. Um, but I thought those are described as so rare that, like, there's such a gap of who would be able to use those. Yeah. And even if it's, like, your wizard therapist has one that you can use together during your therapy, that's, like, I don't know. That feels really, like... Well, I... You can't get that. Like, there's... It feels like a like an economic really gap rare. in who can yeah. have, like, good therapy. That, and I also feel like sometimes, like, the worst thing that you can do for someone in helping them get over their trauma is, like, forcing them to, like, relive it, yeah. too. You know? Because, like, I went through a really traumatic experience after work back in, like, September, and, like, my therapist that I, I was going to talk about for it was she was like, I don't want you to even, like put yourself in that situation of, like, being in the area where it happened or, like, putting yourself at risk of dealing with the same thing again. Like, she was like, you have to protect yourself and not relive that, like, as best you can. And so, like, I feel like putting people in a situation where they have to watch it happen again... Yeah. Like, that that would not help at all. That could be bad for some people. Yeah. I feel like that's not an effective way to deal with trauma like I feel like maybe like having your therapist go in and watch it just like on their own so that they could see what happened would be like a good thing but forcing the actual like patient to relive it would not be helpful yeah it's like exposure therapy like that only works with some people right and then on that note as well there was discussion of and I'll see you because you have studied psychology yeah and um in hopes of some sort of counseling right. <laughs> or therapy or something so you probably know more about this than i do about like the um like how ethical and moral this is but people were also discussing um the merits of using legitimacy in therapy um I mean, again, like, if... <laughs> so, like, using it for, like, the therapist to, like, use it to, like, get in yes. the patient's head? Like, is that kind of what they're... Yes. In a disclosed way. In a disclosed... Like, it was, it was a mutual... Yes, let's do this. I mean, I... I guess if the patient was, like, okay with it, then again, like, it would be a good way for the therapist to, like, really understand what they were struggling with, especially in cases of these kids where they're dealing with, like, trauma. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I feel like for some of these kids, like Harry, who's, like, a lot of his trauma comes from, like, having someone in his head. Ooh, yeah. I don't think that, like, 
having someone go into your head as a form of therapy would be very effective. I feel like it would just depend case by case, like, how helpful that yeah. would be and, like, what people were dealing as with. As it is with everybody. But just, I don't... I don't know. To me, it doesn't feel like it's an ethical thing to do. Yeah. Because... It feels very, like, invasive It is. Personal. It does feel very invasive. It's not... Yeah, I don't know. So there's just... It's just... Like, the things that are out there that we know of that could be helpful, I don't really know how helpful they would be. Right. I I don't know. It's, it's tough to think about because I feel like talk therapy is, like, so effective. Mm-hmm. Where, like, if you can just get someone talking and, like, help them process what happened, like, that's that's all you need, you know? Like, you don't have to throw magic into it to make it a more effective form, mm-hmm. you know? So, I don't know. I know. So, I just, I wanted to bring those things up because I was seeing, like, this is what, this is what is out there and what exists, and it's not much. Yeah. And, like, these these two examples of, like, using a pensive and legitimacy are, like, ways that people are, like, grasping at straws of like trying to see like okay well this is something right that they could use this is something that is out there right that could be effective but like how effective would it be really yeah it just it's like i don't know when you use that kind of stuff it feels like i feel like the pensive less like that i feel like i can get on board with because if you're able to like to see things again and, like, work through it that way. That can be mm-hmm. really effective. But the intrusiveness, like, of the legitimacy stuff feels like, like you've become, like, research. Right. Like you're, like, a project. Yeah. And not a person. And it's, like, I feel like that that is, like, a key thing of something that gets lost in this series when discussing mental health is, like, that there's still people... Okay, they do magic, but, like, they are still people. Yeah. And that's, like, it's just, like, all this separation of, like, well, they can cure all things, Muggle. They only have to deal with magical disease. They only have to deal with magical trauma. Right. Is this magical trauma? It's, like, a... a <laughs> Does it count? It includes that? magic, but it's still... So, I don't know. Yeah, I it's don't It's just, know. it's interesting because she makes a point to write all these characters as, like, struggling with their trauma. But then she doesn't do anything to say, like, how they deal with it. Yeah. Like, it, it... So it's not like she's just like, well, mental mental health problems are just, like, not a thing in the wizarding world. Because they clearly are. Clearly like, it the is. characters are, like, dealing with it. And she... She writes it that way. So. There's no answer. Yeah. To it's just it's just like problem. she's like presenting a problem and then not giving us like a solution to it. And it's not a bad thing. I understand like especially in the case of Harry who are following the whole time. Right. He's not given a chance and that's on purpose. Mhm. Cuz if he had a moment right. that's not in the plan. So yeah. like it's not going to happen. So I don't know. It's he's purposefully not given any chances or any moments to really discuss things. And the minute that he does get close to it, serious, it's taken away. Right. Purposefully, this guide is locked away by Dumbledore Mm -hmm. in his house. 
Right. But we can talk about him today and yeah. that whole situation because that's rough on him. Yeah. But it's just, yeah, I don't know. It's like he gets close and the people are taken away from him. Right. Lupin specifically was like a very, like, you know, a, like a mentor and a counselor to him. Right, especially Prisoner of Azkaban. Yeah, and, and taken away. taken away from him. Taken away. Yeah. There's nobody that he gets for long that's right. like that. Yeah. The minute Dumbledore like, actually becomes that, dead. Dies, yeah, yeah, immediately. So there's, you know, there's no chances for him. And these, these side characters I understand not getting into. Yeah. Because there's also no time. Right. I know. And I don't, I'm not saying this in a way of like, well, she should have put stuff in. Right. I think it's just fine as it is, but it's just like, there's no, there's no real mention of like anything really existing. And even if she Mm -hmm. had said something after, I don't know. I'm always mad at her for saying stuff after, but I don't think I would be in this case. Unless it was something that was really dumb. (laughs) Unless it was something that was really dumb. Unless it was a really dumb, like way of having therapy that she came up with. I think even just if she said something about this other floor. Right. Well, in the long-term patients way. But even discussing that, the hospital's described as, like, dingy and small. Right. Reading that again, like, I was looking through passages and stuff to try and, like, get all this information about it, is that it's, like, this, like... And it's hidden away in this... Like little gross area. Yeah, it's like this little dark alleyway shop or whatever that yeah. like there's nothing there. So like do they have fake windows like the ministry? It feels like dark and sad and this right. like horrible like allegory of like this <laughs> like these long-term patients who are just rotting away in there and none of their family comes to it see them. It feels like a like asylum type of thing. <laughs> it's not great. Yeah. It's not great. Which makes me feel like is, like, just because wizards can, like, disappear your cancer, I feel like, as they are in all things, they are so stuck in the past. Yeah. So, like, are they also living this weird, like, 1800s style, like, medical life where it is, like, back in the day? Right. And they haven't, like, advanced in their practices. So, like, is that even a thing? Or do they just say, get over it, take a potion, it's fine. Take a potion. So, I don't know. It's just, it's a lot. It's a lot. So, I guess... I just, like, I don't know. With take a potion, I don't even really like the idea of just, like, here's a potion that'll just take things away. Like, I don't think that's an effective form of therapy either. No. I guess another way that we do get kind of close to it is stuff about, uh, like, dreamless sleep potions. Yeah. But that's, like, that's a temporary solution to a problem. That is. not a... But I feel like that's it. It's, like, Band-Aids. Yeah. I feel like what we get are Band-Aids. Right. Which isn't, like, dissimilar from, <laughs> from like, people. From, like, yeah, real life Real stuff. life and muggles and whatever. Yeah. So it's a lot of band-aids, but, like, here it just feels like, okay, but uh, there's no other option. Right. So what, you're, so you're forced to tell half-truths in muggle therapy and try your best to get something out of it. Yeah. While you're lying and not able to actually process what's happening. Yeah, that wouldn't... Like, how would you even explain? What 17-year-olds are, like, going off to wars that, like, aren't 
being fully fought like that right now. Right. Like, how would you even explain that to, like, a therapist? Like, there was this guy who, like, (laughs) murdered my family. But, like, whatever, he's killed a lot of people. (laughs) You know? Like... (laughs) Why haven't I heard I don't, about this I don't person? know how you could even, like, explain, like, a muggle equivalent of, like, the, the Wizarding War. So, like, I feel like that's not you can't. really a thing. So, I don't know. I guess, I guess we can follow back up on, like, solutions at the end. Yeah. Like, what we would want and love and suggest. Um, I think we should talk about kind of what's going on with certain characters okay too and not to like we're not coming in here to do that to do that weird thing where we like (laughs) we like slap these like fun cool diagnoses on fictional characters yeah you know what i mean you know where things come like that where it's like a big thing in fandom right where it's just like look how fun it feels like a it feels like a joanne type of thing the way some people kind of come in and like slap something well they're this the whole time <laughs> right you know but it, it's We're like these characters have like gone through trauma. specific trauma and they deal with it and they struggle with it and it's very real in like certain books yeah so we're trying to come at it from a way of like canon and not of like a here's my little <laughs> head canon <laughs> that whoever was Snape was a single mother. <laughs> Snape was a single mother the whole time, and um, he uh, has PTSD from it, and <laughs> it's like, okay. Hermione's in a wheelchair. <laughs> Hermione's in a wheelchair. So, I don't, it's just, yeah, just trying to come from it in, like, a real canon way, and not, like, a gross way that right. I feel like I see a lot. So, yeah. I just want to, like, put that out there in the world that we're, like, not trying to be weird. <laughs> so, who should we start with? I think Harry. Harry. It's, like, clear and obvious, like... He deals with a lot. He deals with a lot. It's kind of terrifying. Well, we talk about... Okay. So, <laughs> he's tough because there there's a lot in him. Yeah. Like, he's got his own stuff. Like, growing up in an extremely abusive household. Yes. Going to school almost dying every year. Having loved ones taken away from him at every turn. Mm-hmm. Um, the way that he is treated, if I may say, like a pig for slaughter. Yeah. Um, it's just all of it. And then having to deal with this guy trying to murder him at every turn. Um, being incredibly crazy. And then being forced to kill a person. Yeah. As a child. As a That he knows as a kid that he has to kill someone. Right. And even if it's a cop-outy way at the end that he's not really doing it, it's his own curse. Right. It's like, no. Like, he's still, like, he's responsible for that. And even though it's this horrible guy, he doesn't want to be responsible for killing a person. We know this at the beginning of the book. He tries to give him... I know! Yeah, a way out. But he's, he's like, giving himself away for not killing Death Eaters as they're, like, leaving Privet Drive. Right. He doesn't want to kill people, even if they're bad. Right. So it's like, now he has this guilt on top of, like, people dying for him. He's got, I killed a person. Right. Oh, here we he's got a lot. And then on top of that, he's got this 
this demon inside of him that he doesn't even have these memories of how his parents died, which always, you know, struck you as like, how does this like little one year old remember something like that? Right. No, because that's not your memory, kiddo. Like, that's something else. That's someone else's memory. So it's uh, it's a lot to handle and deal with. And I feel so bad for him. I know. Like, I feel like even just having to deal with, like, one of his many traumas would be a lot for someone to deal with. So the fact that he has so many, like, stacked on top of each other is crazy. Like, I feel like even just growing up as a kid whose parents died when you were a baby would be be tough for, like, people to go through. Just even if, like, the rest of your life from there on out was, like, fine, that would still be a lot to deal with growing up. And on top of that... And on top of that, all of this other shit he has to deal with. (laughs) It's horrible. Yeah. An 11-year-old kid just has the knowledge of, there's a grown adult person who's going to try and kill me at every chance he gets. Yes. So watch out. And it's impossible to, like, try to beat him, because, like, even, like, the really powerful people who've tried to overcome him before haven't been able to do it. So, like, me, this kid with hardly any, any, like, magical education at all. Here we go. It's my turn now. He needs to talk to someone. (sighs) There's so much, like, expected of him. Yeah, with the expectations all put on top of him as well. Yeah, like, everyone expects him to do these big, great things. But I feel like people get and understand that. Like, that's that's one thing I'll put out there. Like, the rest of this, like, list of characters, most of them, I feel like it gets written off as a character flaw. Right. Yeah, at least with Harry, for the most part, people are pretty understanding. I think the only time people aren't always super understanding is in Order of the Phoenix, when he's, like, super <laughs> angsty and, like, yelling at everyone all the time, and they're just like, can you stop yelling? I know, and I And he's like, yeah. can you understand <laughs> that I watched someone get murdered last summer? <laughs> It's bad news bears. Oh, God. (laughs) It's just like it's so much. And I think the fucked up part is, too, so, like, when there's other people around him, like, let's talk about Cho for a second, who's also dealing with this and wants to talk and understand he is so conditioned to shut up about it and move on that he is so, like, repulsed and does not understand why on earth she would ever want to fucking talk about it. Right. When he just wants to, like... Put it aside. Just not think about it anymore and focus on the problems ahead. Mm -hmm. Like, I can't think about that. Right. He just, like, he doesn't get it, and he's mad about it, and he's like, I just want to be normal. (laughs) Right. I don't want to talk about this. He should. He needs to. I know. It's the only way he can deal with it. But just that that's in him to, like, be quiet, and it comes from the Dursleys, and it comes from the way that he is being raised again by wizards to fulfill this destiny that shut up and move on. This is just it. This is part of it. Yeah. People are gonna die now. That's it. Oh, God. Katie's face is so sad right now. I just feel for this kid so much, and I feel like... It's, like, it's not something that you really realize how much he has to go through until you really, like, sit and process it, and you're, like, he's 15. <laughs> he's 15. 
I'm 22 years old and I get overwhelmed when I think about, like, how much he has to deal with, you know? <laughs> oh, God. It's, like, bad and too much. And he just, there's, like, no chance for him. Good. There's no chance for him. And you just, like, hope that something happened. Something happened after the war. I hope That he so. takes care of himself. But do you think he would? Because he has so much guilt for other people. Right. That he'd just want to take care of others. Well, and I feel like, like, who does he have left as, like, a support system by the time the war is over? Like, he has Ron and Hermione and, like, the Weasleys. What adults? And that's pretty much it, you know? Like, he has Molly and Arthur, maybe, and McGonagall. Like, that's about it. And, I mean, I know that they'd all be, like, willing to help him, but, like, I feel like he would be coming from an angle of, like, they've dealt with a lot. Arthur and Molly just lost a son, so, like, who am I to, like... Yeah. Be like, I need help right now when you're dealing with, like, grieving your dead child, you know? Yeah. And McGonagall is, like, grieving all the dead students who died and, like, just working on, like, building a Hogwarts back. So, like, I feel like he would come from it, or come, like, from an angle of, like, I don't want to disrupt, like, everyone else's healing process, you know? And that's how he was raised. Yeah. To be quiet Mm -hmm. and not exist. Yeah. And not step on toes. So I feel like... You're a guest in this world and you need to be polite. His post-war life, I feel like it's just going to be him continuing to, like, deal with it in silence. Because, like, he doesn't have anyone else. (laughs) Maybe this is why he screams at his son. (laughs) Oh my god! (laughs) Bad. All bad. I just, uh, he's got, it's so much. I know. So much for this, this child. It's so bad. And he just needs help, and he's not given the resources, and I'm sure at a point when he is offered the resources, he feels too guilty to take them. Maybe he'll go back to Hogwarts and just talk to Dumbledore's portrait. (laughs) Okay, (laughs) that one can't really help, though. (laughs) I mean, he, like, you see him get this moment when he's dead. (laughs) With yeah, Dumbledore. Right. And that that feels good. Yeah, it does. Like he's he processing. Yeah. And he's allowed to get mad. Mm-hmm. Even at the end of Order of the Phoenix, that is so great. Aren't we disappointed yeah. that wasn't in the movie? The, I know. Dumbledore is like letting him like have his like outburst because like, this is totally justified. Yes. So I don't know. Like he does get a few I feel like he gets the moments to, like, be angry and to have an initial reaction, but then he just doesn't get the moments where he really needs to, like, process and heal. Yeah. You know? People let him have the initial reactions Mm -hmm. of, like, anger and disappointment and sadness, but, like, there comes a point where people are like, okay, like, you got your moment to be sad, but now you have to move on. Yeah, there's bigger stuff to do. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's no good. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about Cho real quick, since we already kind of discussed okay. her. Yeah. I do have something important to say really quickly. Okay. Um, as we were quickly looking through our notes <laughs> to see um, who we wanted to start discussing next, I saw that I had forgotten to say something uh, in my um, research about St. Mungo's. There mm-hmm. is a quote from Deathly Hallows that I think is very important to talk about. And we'll get into it. So this is something that was said in that book. That Ariana would have been locked up for good 
in St. Mungo's if they knew what she was. Oh my gosh. So. Okay. That. Katie. <laughs> that was a, I'm sorry that, like, your wheels were turning. Like, cool. All right. Okay. All right. Wow. That's a big one. Oh no. But that, that, you know, continues to go into that long term care. Right. Patience, because it is a magical thing. But because it stems from this horrible trauma, we know now, like, but what But I feel like obscurious that, that makes that, like, do. long-term care is just, like, isolating those people so that they can't hurt anyone else or themselves further. Like, it's not care. It's just locking them away. Yeah. I hate it. <laughs> <laughs> This is the thing with mental health that drives me crazy. People think that, like, the only way that you can really help people from it is to lock them away and put them in this safe bubble where they never have to deal with that trauma again. And it's like, no, that's so bad. (laughs) (laughs) There's such a stigma around it. Like, people just don't want to talk about it. And, like, all these people with mental health problems are, like, crazy. And it's like, no, they're not. (laughs) Katie is getting red in the face. I'm sorry that. Oh no! You this is everything we talked it. about in, like all of my psych classes, all through college. <laughs> People with mental health issues are not crazy. <laughs> no. Oh. Anyway, sorry. I just I got really angry no. I know. I when you said I, that. <laughs> I needed to bring it up because it was a really important one that I forgot to say. Um. Uh, but I guess speaking of crazy women, let's talk about Cho. <laughs> this I feel like is the fault of Joanne's herself because she. I feel like she doesn't. That even was on think purpose. Highly of Cho, like she purposely wrote her. Like you As said it already. Stone. Like this is this is like written to be a flaw of hers. Yes, is that she's emotional and that she's depressed and that she has this trauma. That she doesn't know how she to can't, deal with. She can't possibly move on, and she's crying all the time, and it's her fault. Right. For staying like that. Right. That's not how it works. <laughs> That's not how trauma works. She doesn't have anyone to turn to mm-hmm. to, like, help her with this. And I, like, I don't want to, like, bring it... It's not a personal attack. It's, like, it was... It's just not a good mesh of, like, taking this character who, like, went through something deep and is trying to connect to Harry about it and then using that character as a way to make Ginny look better. It's, like, not a good mesh. So, like, I get, I understand what she's trying to do and it's sexist and weird and, like, whatever, put that aside. So I'm not trying to mean this as, like, a personal attack against her. But, like, didn't she start writing this series shortly after, like, her mother passed away? Yeah, yeah. So I find that, I find that really weird and distasteful that, like, this person who has lost a loved one. Like, I don't, I don't get it. I don't get it. Yeah, like, she would understand what that pain is like of, like, losing someone that you're close to. So, like, why is she writing grief to be, like, a flaw? Yeah. You see it, you see it a lot through many characters, and I think, like, I don't know... I feel like I'm one of the only people in the world who feels the way I do about Sirius in the fifth book. Yeah. 
But it's purposeful the way that she is writing about him dealing with his issues right. in such a, like a, an unhealthy and weird way. And that is portrayed as a flaw of his. Right. That people, like Hermione is constantly saying like, okay, well, serious, like, he's got some shit going on and you need to take what he says with a grain of salt and don't let him guilt and pressure you into doing whatever, Harry. Yeah. So like she uses this. Yeah. So like, like it's all this, like there's many examples and like you can talk about Tonks too when she's like very depressed. Right. Also weird and sexist put that aside but like tonks in like the sixth book it's written as like well she's not as like spunky and fun she's not as like cool as she used to be she doesn't look strong like she used to be right and it's it is like time and time again put off as this like flaw and weakness right and like not a good thing to be like yeah dealing with things, even if they're in, an un- like, an unhealthy way. And the thing that, like, I think I just get really mad about with Cho is that, like, literally every other character that is, like, grieving somebody at some point over the series, like, their grief is, like, not written as a flaw. No, it's like, treated when, with respect. when Harry is grieving over Sirius and grieving over Dumbledore, and, like, when Amos Diggory is grieving over Cedric, and when... You know, like, I feel like all the other times when, like, people die, or, like, the Weasleys when they're grieving over Fred, like, or Dobby, or whatever, like, that's real, and she writes it as, like, it's this painful thing that these people went through, and now they're dealing with their grief, and it's, it's, like, a respectful thing, but, like, with Cho, she lost someone that she was really close to, and she's not given the time that she needs. It's not good, and I think it's also that, like, her treatment in the books follows out with the fans. Yeah. And that I see a lot, and again, I think I said this before when we were talking, <laughs> sorry, I just remembered, Fernand Dursley's G-string. Oh my god. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> but when we were talking about, like, Millicent Bulstrode, and I, I brought it up, and I'm not saying it is a bad thing, because I think it's fun to dive into any side character, but, like, you see right. a lot of stuff where, like, you get a lot of people talking about characters like Pansy Parkinson in the future with all of this like respect and talking about what she went through and like all the stuff of why she is and how like you think she would change and all this like Pansy Parkinson your middle school bully is getting kinder treatment than Cho right so I don't, it's like, it's very hurtful. Yeah, I mean, we already kind of talked about this, I think, on a different podcast, because we were just, like, found a list of, like, the most hated characters yeah. in the series, and Cho was on that list. But then, like, some of these characters who are actual bullies, like Draco and Snape yeah. and Pansy were, like, not a part of that. Yeah. So it's it's just, like, it's wild that, like, she wrote this character to be so flawed that, like, people feel very spiteful toward her and, like, that translates into, like, the fans. I'm, I, it's, like, what amazes me is, like, her treatment by fandom still is this way. Right. When, when we treat everybody else like these, like, complex, deeply emotional beings. I know. And that that's a good thing. If people can find the good in, like, literally all of these, like, villains, like, why are they not able to find a good part of Cho? I don't get it, and it's just, like, this poor fucking girl, she is a child. Yeah. And, like, in the book, it's not even, like, she's just dealing with, like, the pain of losing Cedric. Like, doesn't she also have, like, family stuff going on? Yeah. And, like, all that kind of stuff, too? 
So because well, there's there's all this stuff like the world is changing. In yeah. This after what happened with Cedric. Right. But like that change, like it's hitting her a lot harder than it hit a lot of the other characters. Because, like, she's already lost somebody. Like, everyone else is, like, living this fear of, like, I could lose my family. Like, I I could, like, be murdered. Or, like, someone I know could be murdered. But she's already in the pool of, like, someone I loved was murdered. Yeah. And people, like, aren't giving her that respect. And that she continues. She continues in this moment of, like, trying to save the fucking world. Right. Oh, she's flirting with Harry. How dare she? She's not! Right. I don't... It's... Her treatment bothers me so much, and that, just like you said, everybody's grief is treated with respect except for her. Yeah. That's horrifying. I hate it. Oh. I hope she got the help she needed. (laughs) I feel bad for this girl. She married a muggle. I wouldn't be surprised if she just was like, fuck this with the wizarding world, and just like, I'm out. Yeah. Because everyone treated her like shit. Like, this even is, the characters in the books treat her badly. This is what I mean when, like, is Madame Pomfrey qualified to deal with this? Yeah. Or can they get somebody who is? Right. You can't just talk to your head of like, house about this. I feel like Cho's case is one where she could have gone to, like, a muggle therapist and just been yes. like, my boyfriend died. And I'm dealing with this trauma. Yeah. She doesn't have to say how he died. It's t- It's It's just bad. And I feel... I feel icky about the way that she was treated because her yeah. her grief was put out really openly and immediately disrespected. Right. Yeah. Like hers is such a case of it being like right here, right out in the open. I feel like hers, like I feel like the reason why people are so like disrespectful about it is because like we don't see her grief until like months after like the initial trauma has like happened already. Whereas like with all these other people, we see them grieving like immediately after the yeah. death happened. But hers is, like, after that grace period of when it's, like, okay to be emotional. And so that's why people are so, like, rude about it. They're, like, that happened months ago. Two, like, initially, like, reading these books when they came out was, it was, like, a two to three year gap between four and five. Yeah. We were fucking over it. We were over it. It, It's been years for us since Cedric died and we're done. Mm Mm-hmm. Let's keep going. Voldemort's back. Mm Mm-hmm. Right. So, like, you know, like, in fiction, it's been months, and she's still dealing with it, and Harry's done with it. Harry's moving forward, so Mm -hmm. so are we. So why is she not? And, like, the rest of the world is moving on from it, too. And, like, you have people who, like, deny that his death was, like, what it was. That, too, is that she's dealing with that, too. Like, not just, like, Harry dealing with everybody calling him a liar. Mm -hmm. It's that people are denying how this person died. Right. And that it's like there is his so much like vengeance. Like that makes it worse for her up because in her. like his death wasn't treated respectfully by no. like members of the wizarding community. Like the ministry was trying to like hush it all up and be like, whatever, this kid died, but he was part of this dangerous tournament. So like that's how it happened. Let's move on. If we can talk about just like Cedric and his impact in general and like We've been clear that we don't treat Cursed Child as canon, mm-hmm. but if we can treat it as as if it was for, like, a second, yeah, I think that this, like, 
it nothing rings truer of there being no support in the wizarding world for this than years and years and years later amos diggory is going to harry potter's house and demanding that he get that fucking time turner and get his son back right years right years of not being able to like put that aside not even a step but just deal with it yeah like put it down and allow it to like sit away from you for like a sec like just right like put your bags down mm-hmm. and just rest like there's no more than 19 years right yeah upwards of it, 20 it's, it's been like 24 because like the epilogue takes place 19 years after the final book but this happened like halfway through the series so it's been like and doesn't it happen a couple years years into the kids being at hogwarts yeah so So it's it's literally like 25 years later after his death that there's been no anything right there's been no help for a mystery right so i it's just there's it just feels like there's nothing and it's yeah, we've said it all about Cho. I don't know what else to say about her. She it's gets just... treated badly. People hate her for no good reason. That's, that's not good. That's the final line. The take home from this rant about Cho Chang. <laughs> well, let's talk about her better half, Ginny. <laughs> Sorry. I appreciate that Ginny's trauma at least does get brought up again. Oh my god, it's a throwaway line. I get I so pissed. Like, I'm glad that it's brought up. And I, I feel like but it's, it's never addressed way, again. I feel like it's brought up in a way that, like, makes it very clear that, like, every single person in Ginny's life has forgotten that she's gone through this trauma except for her. Yes. Go take a nap and have hot chocolate. Yeah, you'll be fine. Voldemort was in her head. <laughs> For, like, almost an entire year. <laughs> Putting it in, like, real-world concept, like, she was, like, groomed for a year by an adult. Right. To do bad and inappropriate things. Right. No. That's a so much. She Are you fucking did. kidding me? At 11 years old? Yeah. Ugh. 11. Like, she not only has to deal with the trauma of, like, having someone in her head, but she also has to deal with the guilt of, like, almost killing, like, five people, too. Like, it's not just, like, she's dealing with the fact that, like, this happened, but she's dealing with, like, what she was forced to do in the first place. Yes. It's all bad. She's a little kid. That's the craziest part to me, is, like... Like, is there, is there nothing? Like, I know that it has to do with Voldemort and, like, this big grand plan and everything, but, like, mm-hmm. Ginny Weasley is not a part of this plan and was taken right. into it for no good reason. Right. And, like, she doesn't get to be treated kindly or well or anything. Like, she doesn't get to, she doesn't get to get help. Right. She deserves help. If she Harry, she if needs Harry it more than anyone, have anything. Really? Why can't, like, other students? Right. Yeah, she deserves help more than, like, just about anyone else. And it's, I don't know, like, I, I almost don't even really expect Dumbledore to, like, really do anything to help her. But, like, the fact that her, like, parents don't even stand up for her. Like, when Dumbledore is like, 
go sleep it off, and her parents are like, yeah, you'll be fine. The craziest part is that they, like, immediately reacted with anger at her. Right! I know her dad is, like, immediately yelling at her for, like, trusting the diary. And I'm like, she's a little kid. And she was nervous about going to school. She didn't have any friends. So this diary was, like, this, like, one supportive thing that she had for a long time. This is the kind of thing of, like, I feel like... You don't yell at your child who you just got back from being kidnapped. You don't yell at them immediately for getting in the car with the stranger. Right. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. That's a discussion of, like, things to be, like, wary of in the future. Yeah. But you don't yell at them for doing... I don't. Not immediately after. It seems I mean, I feel weird. like as a parent, I wouldn't yell at my kid ever for that. But, like, I would discuss it with them, but I wouldn't, like, scold them for it. Not after knowing all the trauma they went through. For these people that are, like, (laughs) a part of, like, understand and were a part of the war against Voldemort. Yeah. When they are told what happened, I don't know. How do you not... How do you not do something more for your... I don't know. Right. Yeah, there's nothing that happens. Like, no no adult helps. Yeah. And that's like, the, that's like the icky part, is that you don't really see that so much for Ginny ever. Mm-hmm. But that you do get it from the Weasleys for Harry. Yeah. You get a lot of, like, defensiveness and trying to keep Harry safe from trauma. He's just a kid. But, yeah, it's, like... But, like, for their own flesh and blood, who is, like, years younger than Harry is when he starts to go through the stuff that they're trying to protect him from, like... Well, this is the thing, too, is that it's, like... It's not as bad as the things to come. It's like these are these first two books. It's like baby books. Yeah, yeah Harry like burned a man to death, <laughs> <laughs> and like Ginny was possessed by Voldemort for a year. Mm-hmm. But they they're the first books. That's baby stuff, so we forget about it. It's yeah. treated as baby stuff, even though it's not. Yeah, you know, it's just not good. And I, I yelled about it for a while, too, about, you know, her possible coping mechanisms with, I don't know, boys. Yeah, right, I know. We talked about this already a little bit in the Chamber of Secrets book thing, but... I've made, I've, like, made my point about all of... I just, like, I, I don't... I think she, she gets ignored. She's not punished for it. But that she's, like, so... And that's that's the problem with being made opposite of Cho. Is right. that she is so, like, <laughs> stiff upper lip. Like, keep it good. Move on. Be strong. Right. It's not affecting me anymore. I'm over it. I'm done. Right. I'm better for it now. Whatever. Like... But have you dealt with it? She hasn't. No. Let's talk about the devil book again. Look at that last part. No. Yeah. No. No. No, she has not. 
Ugh. It's not good. No. I can't. I can't deal. I just... Ugh. I don't know. Is this something to talk about, too? I don't want to, like... No, I do. I do want to be. I do want to be, like... <laughs> um... Like, are, are, are women being punished in these books? Yeah. Yeah. Neville's pain is real. Harry's pain is real. Snape's pain is real. <laughs> God! Dumbledore's pain is real. Yeah. So, it's... I don't, I don't know. Like, you be like Ginny. You suck it up. And you help take care of your man. Yeah. And you're celebrated. Cho, you're not stepping it up to be there for Harry. Right. So bye. So you're you punished. Suck. You're hated. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah, it's like that traditional view of, like, a woman's job is, like, to be there to, like, comfort a caretaker. A man. Yeah. She's not allowed to deal with her own shit. <sighs> no good. That's no good. Well, let's talk about some man pain, I guess. Some man pain. Should we talk about Neville? I do want to talk about Neville. Wow, Neville. Mm-hmm. That's a lot. Before you even, before you even manage to get to the revelation about his parents. Right. There's so much going on there. Yeah. With his home life. With his, like, he's in a really abusive home, too. The way he's treated at school. That, like, he apparently doesn't really have any friends. Yeah. But, yeah, his his household stuff is bad, too. I always get so horrified when I read the parts that, like, detail the way that his family treats him when they're trying to get him to show yes. magic. Like, hanging him out a window and stuff like that. That's awful. That's, like... Pretty much as bad as the abuse that Harry had to go through when he was a kid, yeah. you know? They're really, like, of course, on purpose, similar. Yeah, but then, like, the difference is that, like, when Harry comes to school, like, he immediately makes friends and has a support system, but Neville, like, really doesn't make any friends until, like, books four or five mm -hmm. with, like, the DA and stuff, and that's when he really, like, steps it up and starts to have a community that he can rely on. Isn't that the fucked up part, too? I don't remember what book it's in. I don't remember what part it is. Is it in the fifth book again? But where they use the coins and Neville's kept his and Luna's kept hers. It might be the sixth one. Yes. Because the fifth one they all When have they leave. Them. When they yeah. leave and they patrol for Snape. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. In the sixth one. Yeah, it's bad. It's no good. It's that that's like, that was his like form of friendship and now like what does he have because they don't get together anymore. Right. Ugh. I know. And then he's the one who, like, restarts that whole thing in, like, the seventh one, too. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, but it's sad for, like, you know, with his, like, grandma and stuff. Like, mm -hmm. feeling, constantly being, like, living up to his parents. Yeah. That's tough to put on a kid. It's awful to put on a kid. Yeah. And I feel like his, um, like, his trauma of just, like, losing his parents at a young age is very similar to Harry's, but I almost feel like his is, like, worse because, like, 
his parents aren't dead, so, like, he still has to see them suffer. And, like, he goes and visits them all the time, so, like, he's, like, constantly getting that reminder. I throw my book across the room with those bubblegum wrappers. I know. Every time. I lose it. Right. It's so sad. Yeah, because of, like, he sees them, and it brings up all these horrible, bad feelings about himself about home, about the situations that he's in. But then it's like, if he feels like he doesn't want to see them, that is such a heavy burden. Right. And then, like, seeing them would also just bring up probably a lot of those, like, what could have been feelings. Like, if they hadn't been tortured, like, how happy his life would have been otherwise. And I want to talk about this, too. So, Goblet of Fire... Harry watches a spider die. Mm -hmm. Cool. Like, he wasn't... He doesn't have to... Like, I don't want to be rude. But, like, he doesn't have a... Like, he doesn't have to live with a reminder about what that means. Right. He knows that it happened. And it's hard to see, I guess. And it's hard for him because his parents are dead. I think it's hard for him because that's the first time that he's seeing, like, what spell actually is, like, what killed his parents. But the fact that, like, and then you put on top of that, like, okay, yeah, here's this bad dude. But honestly, never watching a person who tortured his parents like that, doing that in front of him as a demonstration and forcing him to name what it is. Yeah, that's terrible. That's what I think a lot of people don't remember because so much of it's put on Bellatrix. Right. But he was there, too. He did it, too. Yeah. Right. That's what he went to prison for. Right. Was doing that to his parents. He knows who Neville is. Yeah. And that he, like, tries to befriend him. What a freak! I know. I, ooh. And that he, I just, he has to deal with that, and he's so dead inside after that class. Yeah. And, like, the... He, and, like, he doesn't even know who that is. But he but will. Like he, but, yeah, but he still witnessed it. And, but he would know who it is. Because, of course, everybody knows about everything that happens. He would know who that was. Yeah. And when he finds out who Moody actually was... Are you kidding? Yeah. And then that all gets... And then he's got this guilt for, like, finding, like, solace in this, like, mentor. Right. That's disgusting. I know. And then immediately after all of that happens, we next see him again with his parents. Right. Oh. And that his grandmother tells him off, like, don't be ashamed. This is what it is. Your parents are heroes. You need to live up to that. Like, it's... It's all a nightmare. Oh, I feel so bad. And that he, like, finally feels fulfilled when he's putting his life in danger mm-hmm. in the last book. And that he finally feels like he's someone to be proud of. Right. Like, he was someone to be proud of before that. Yeah, of course. Just not in his grandma's eyes. Mm. It always makes my heart... McGonagall. ...sing in the part when <laughs> McGonagall is, is like, I'm gonna write to your grandma and tell her that she needs to be proud of you. You know? Yeah. Like, I'm just like, you go, McGonagall. <laughs> It's nice to see that there are other people that will, like, go to bat for these I'm sure Professor Sprout would, like, have gone to bat for Neville, too. Absolutely. And being so good at herbology. Neville. (laughs) I love him so much. 
I've said it before, I'll say it again. If I could marry anyone from the <laughs> Harry Potter universe, I would pick Neville in a heartbeat. I think he's so sweet. I love him so much. Now you just hope and pray that like Neville's got a good life. I think he does. He and Hannah have a good life yeah. together. I, and he gets to like ugh. teach a new generation of students and he just gets finally to feel realizes his worth. Yeah. And then he does it, like, here's what I love about what happens with him. So, like, here's a here's a good one. You know, we don't get, we don't get much from Harry. Oh, you got the girl and Voldemort's dead. Hooray for Harry. But, like, yeah. but I get pissed, okay? I get pissed. And I've talked about this, I'm sure, on this podcast before, that he became an Auror. Mad about it. I'm that Harry ha- did? Yes. Yeah. I'm really happy that Neville got to be fulfilled doing something peaceful. Yes. Just because he was forced to be a fighter doesn't mean he's a fighter. Right. He gets to do something that he loves and is passionate about and is good at that he was bullied for and is celebrated for it, and that is really good. Yeah. It's a good, like, full circle. He, he, I feel that he does get to live, like, a fulfilling life because he's not... I mean, like, what are, like, what are you talking about with, like, the pensive stuff about, like, not forcing yourself to relive trauma? What is Harry doing? He's forcing himself to relive it. <laughs> no wonder he's such field. an angry old guy and <laughs> coarse child. Such a grumpy old man. <laughs> I, yeah, I know, it's just, I feel, I feel good and happy about Neville's future. But I it's, do too. it's not like he doesn't deserve to, like, it doesn't deserve and need to go to therapy. Right. Everybody that we're talking about needs so See, much like, help. See, I, I, I feel like Neville, like, kind of did get a chance to, like, deal with that trauma at some point in mm-hmm. the story, you know? There's parts I feel he's like at least, like, um, like, bolstered and reinforced and, like... And I feel like once his friends, like, learn about what he's been through with his parents, like, they feel awful for him, for it, for it. Like, when Harry, like, first finds out about it from Dumbledore, he's horrified. Yeah. And, like... I just, it hits me a lot in the part when, like, the rest of them find out about it, and they find out that, like, Harry already knew. He's like, I didn't know how to say it to you guys. But he's, like, trying to, like, hush them all down and, like, usher them out of the room when he realizes what's happening, you know? Yeah. To kind of, like, try to spare Neville from that, like, moment of, like, having to share it with his friends before he's ready and stuff. Yeah. I don't know. It's hard, though, like, talking about, like being forced to share your trauma Mm -hmm. to be treated as like valid right you know is like not a great thing yeah and that even as readers you know up until we learn that and especially once we see it Mm -hmm. like that we we aren't really supposed to treat neville with respect you know until we know and then it's like okay well now we can right (laughs) Not that his grandma is, like, kind of awful, or that he's treated so terribly by certain unnamed members of the staff, <laughs> but but that his his parents are like this. Oh, that's the thing that's crazy to me, too, is the way that he's treated by Snape. I don't know if we've even talked about it on this podcast yet, because we haven't really touched on Prisoner of Azkaban a lot, but I hate... That despite everything he's dealt with and everything he's gone through, his Boggart is still Snape. 
I know. Over, like, the person who tortured his parents. Or Voldemort. Or, you know, this is the year Sirius Black is, like, scaring everybody. But it's it's still his teacher who comes out of that, like, closet. Ha 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 ha. I hate it. Ha 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 ha. Ha ha. It's Snape. Ha ha. No, that's horrifying. His greatest fear. His greatest fear is his teacher. Despite all the other trauma that he's had to deal with. I hate it. I get I get so feisty about it. That's what I wrote my response paper for Prisoner of Azkaban in our class on. Was just yeah. like how mad I was at Snape <laughs> in that part. <laughs> I think um, something important to discuss during this is like we just talked about it. Like the clear... The clear references that are made with, like, Bogarts and Dementors. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Aren't, like, Dementors, like, they're depression. literally, like... It's depression. Yeah, it's depression. and, like, she meant that to be, like, real. Like, that was her describing, like, the way that she dealt with depression that she's lived. Yeah. So oh. it's, it's, so I, sh- you know, I'm sorry. Like, I know I, well, well I, I stand by my thoughts. There isn't, like, nothing in these books. Right. But again, it's more of, like, discussion of the problems and the issues without any solutions. Right. Yeah, that's that's the issue with these books. Like, it's not like she's just not talking about mental health at all. Like, she's addressing it all. She's just not showing us how they deal with it. So what is what does the Patronus do? And what does Ridiculous do for us? You know, like, what does that translate yeah. to for, like, helping... Right. You know what was sweet is the part in the maze when Harry just walks with his Patronus until it goes away. Yeah. That he he felt good. I know. Just having it with him. That was nice. It's like your shield. Yeah. That, like, wards off all bad feelings. (laughs) Or even just what chocolate does for you after (laughs) domestic attack. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you know, Lupin is encouraging us to eat our feelings. And yeah. I can appreciate that. <laughs> Chocolate is a soul food, guys. It's good for the soul. But I, I don't know. I think I think that these these two, while they don't like do anything in universe to help mental health, I think they have done beautiful things for helping children mm-hmm. deal with issues. Because if they can think of it in terms like I'm scared of this thing. How do I think of it in a way that doesn't make it seem so scary? Right. That's really good. Or, like, thinking, like, I don't know, like, using the thought of, like, a Patronus to help you in, like, a scary, sad time. Yeah, like, when you're going through something sad, just, like, think of, like, the good times that you've had. I know that I... (laughs) Have I told this before? When I was a little kid, I did not realize... I was on a bike ride. And I did not realize that my tire was going flat, and it was so hard to pedal, and then the wind was going real hard against me. I was very young. This was, like, after the first movie. Oh, wow. Um, and the wind was blowing in me, and I thought, Harry would give up. <laughs> and I kept going! Oh my god! So it's like, it's like these, these real things, and like, you know, I, I know that I still, like, if I get spooked by something in the night... And I have to, like, walk around my house in the dark or whatever. I'm, like, kind of, like, 
dance punching my way to like the bathroom in the dark or whatever because yeah. I'm like no like ghost is gonna come up on me when I'm like humming a Cardi B song and like <laughs> that's not how scary movies work so like, I love it <laughs> nobody's gonna come get me right now and it's fine and it's not so scary right because of whatever so like it it has real world application and so like there is good stuff for like real life human beings reading these books yeah. like there are like little things that like i'm sure help a lot of kids right and adults yeah you hear lots of stories of like how like harry potter has helped people come over their own like mental health problems you know there's like, lots of like... people saying you know like well okay the girl who played luna <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> like... Yeah, Ivana Lynch. I feel like Luna is, like, one of those characters that has just been, like, really helpful for people. Like, I feel like yes. she's probably one of the ones in the series that people relate to the most. Yeah. And Neville probably, too. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's like, good that she wrote these characters that are so relatable because it's, like, if anyone is ever feeling bad about, like, being that kid who's, like, left out or that people look at as, like, that weird kid or who got bullied a lot. Like, yeah. those kids still kind of come out on top in the end so it's like really encouraging it is it's good to feel good stuff mm-hmm. i feel like another thing to touch on that i don't know is like discussed in like a mental health way enough is um the like magical racism and eugenics mm-hmm. and that how that is like a real trauma a real physical and mental trauma for a lot of people. And, like, mm. Hermione, specifically, gets really beat down on right. because of that a lot. And, you know, emotionally at school, physically tortured for it right. later. And that, like, she has a lot to deal with and that like what what is there at Hogwarts and I suppose this could lead into our discussion of like solutions yeah because we've talked we talked just like Joanne we talk a lot of shit about the problem right <laughs> but I think it's important to talk about what we would see as solutions but like what what is out there at school for muggle-born kids what is there to help them and support them. Yeah. Nothing? Nothing. Yeah, there's really nothing. I mean, except finding a good support system of, like, other Muggleborns who are also at school, you know, but... Yeah. You think about that, too, is, like, there's kind of, like, discussions of, like... Well, are there, like, clubs and groups right. at Hogwarts? And then I think about, like, the real, like, the real world mirror image of, like, if there was, like, like a muggle-born, like, support club or, like, group or whatever at school. And then it's, like, all these peer will be like, well, if I made a, if we made a group, that wouldn't be okay. And it's like, that's called right. Slytherin, you dumb bitch. Like, right. it's <laughs> like, you already have it. It's yeah. fine. You're good. Like, it's, oh, God. It feels like <laughs> shitty colleges. <laughs> well, why don't we have, like, why don't we have, like, a whites club? <laughs> right. 
a white advocacy group on campus. <laughs> Get out. Like, you know, it feels like it would become that sort of thing. But, like, what's there? Right. What's there? Nothing. These kids are coming into, like, a wild new space and are, like, faced with a crazy new, like, discrimination. Yeah. That they didn't know was a thing. And how are they supposed yeah, to do that? Yeah, and it's that? like these muggle kids are probably, like, they grew up, like, reading fairy tales and stuff and learning about how magic is great and, like, this awesome thing. And then they get really excited about the fact that they get to go to a school and learn how to do that. And then when they get to the school, they find out that, like, people look down on them and they're like, you don't deserve to learn this. You don't and deserve to And they're isolated and they can't use the computer. Like, it, they play it, games? It, like... <laughs> It quickly goes from something that they're, like, excited about and something that, like, they've heard of as, like, a fantasy throughout their entire childhood, like, suddenly becoming a real thing. But then it, like, quickly switches and becomes this, like, painful thing because they're so discriminated against. Yeah. It so turns the fantasy into, like, a bad Yeah. Experience. And there's just, there's, there's nothing there. Yeah. There's no support system for students at Hogwarts, period. Right. So what would we do? Would we have Madame Pomfrey trained? I don't know if I would have Madame Pomfrey trained or if I would just say they need to hire some kind of, Get like, somebody counselor. in there. Get a couple. I feel, like, I feel <laughs> like it has to be, like, a different person. I don't think it can be Madame Pomfrey because, like, our school nurse wasn't our school no. counselor. <laughs> I feel like that's not really the same thing. Yeah. So I think they just need to hire a counselor. Teachers or and heads of houses need to be trained. Yes. I agree. That's a very real part of being a teacher, for real, mm-hmm. is, like, helping your students out when you know they're struggling with stuff. Oh, can you imagine all the Slytherins having to go to Snape for stuff? Oh, my God. This is why Slughorn needed to stay around. I know. If they had if they had trained some of these fucking teachers, this, this future would have been wild. What would have happened? This is why I, I say. feel like McGonagall and Sprout and Flitwick would all have been pretty supportive of students if they had ever come to them and been like, I'm struggling with this thing. Yeah. They weren't trained, but, like, they would have listened. Yeah. Snape wouldn't have. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know who the Slytherin kids would go to. Yeah, I don't know. Unless they went to another teacher and was like, Snape won't listen to me. You know, real quick, I just want to put out there, I mean... Like, ugh. I don't want to get too into it. I haven't, I haven't and I won't. I've talked, I've talked about it. We've talked about it. We've all talked about him enough. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I'm not going to talk about it, but I do want to just bring up real quick, um, Draco Malfoy. Yeah. Um, because I think something scary is like the, the real, like the war is over, over now. Like Voldemort's donezo. Like, the real hatred and, for good reason, discrimination against, like, Death Eater and pureblood families and whatever. Mm-hmm. But, like, this child <laughs> who was enlisted in this war that he was told was a good thing all his life, um, not... Being given access as an adult post-war to anything that can help him scares me and upsets me. I know. That he wouldn't be treated with respect. Just because him and his family managed to get out of a prison sentence, 
doesn't mean that they're not going to be punished by society. Right. Again, I say Lucius deserves it. Oh, 100%. He should go back to prison. <laughs> yeah. But, like, Narcissa, we'll see. I don't believe... I don't believe in the punishment of that kid. I don't either. Um, I believe in the rehabilitation of that child. Right. So, like, he needs it. Will he get it? Will he be treated with respect for his post-war traumas? No. No. I don't think so. Yeah, I know when I was just looking on, like, lists of, like, characters that are important to talk about with mental health and Harry Potter when we were, like, prepping for this. Like, he was one that came up a lot because, like, in books six and seven, like, he goes through a really hard time. Like, you see him literally fall apart over the course of, like, Half-Blood Prince. Yeah. Not even just, like, the Voldemort stuff. If you take that out, he had a near-death experience that he never got to deal with. Right. So. And he's also, I think he also <laughs> is kind of feeling, or dealing with a little bit of, like, guilt and shame in that book, too, because, like, he's finding in himself a distaste for, like, all of this violence yes. that, like, his dad has, like, pushed on him for years yeah. and has been, like, this is a good thing. And now it's finally his turn to do it. And he's, like, I don't he can't like stomach it. it. I don't want to. So he finds it to be, like, a failing on his part because he's not... He's happy with talk, but can't walk the walk. Yeah, and he thinks it's going to be, like, a shameful thing to his family because, like, he doesn't want to do that. So he's also just, like, dealing with that, like, I'm a disappointment to my family feeling, too. Yeah. So I don't... Yeah, he's another one that I think deserved better (laughs) in, like, the last book and in the years after. Yeah, I don't know. Some weird attempts at that were made in Cursed Child, but I don't think anything real or honest. I 100% subscribe to the fact that Draco Malfoy deserved a redemption arc. I really, (laughs) really do. I think think outside of the series, yes. I think that there could have been something there. I find it... I find the epilogue in many ways disappointing. His is disappointing to me. Yeah forget Cursed Child, like, I don't know. You get this cool stuff before Cursed Child comes out, these, like, fake, um, articles written. You remember that one? Yeah. Where she wrote that about the Quidditch World Cup or something? Yeah. Um, I don't know. Not that he has to, like, get out there and use his money for some foundation. No, but, but like, just, like, I don't know. Him being comfortable walking away from those ideals that he was, like, raised with. I find it incredibly hard to believe. Okay, now this is, I, like, even, listen, this was our third podcast where we talked about this book. It's been a minute. Was he working at the ministry? Am I to believe I feel like he was. Am I to believe that uh, Malfoy is allowed to work in the ministry again? No way. Eh, I don't, like, it just seems like, I don't know, some, some rightly deserved discrimination toward his family. I don't know, but, uh, I don't. There's nothing, like, that's that's a sad life he's gonna live. He doesn't just get to go back to being happy and rich and in charge. Right. There's no, no fucking way. No. He's gonna have to climb his way back up to the top, like his dad did after the first war. But actually be genuine about it. 
Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I, be- I believe in the redemption arc. I like him. I do, too. And Re- I, rereading I, it's it's hard for me, but I'll come back around when six comes. But I, like I, <laughs> I, I, I stand by that like a lot of the like shit that he does like isn't really his fault because he was conditioned to be that way. Yeah, like I really really stand by that. I think that there's a, I'm like Half Blood Prince really, um, shifts as it's like the turning point for him. But mm-hmm. I don't think that. I think that what happens is incredibly, like, believable for his character that, like, he's still forced into this. He's not fucking running away. Like, that's not happening. Whatever. And stay in my fan fictions. But, like, he... Like, it's a believable route to take. But, like, that pivot could have been much more... And, like, you mourn the fact that those... The rest of the Death Eaters came up before he could take Dumbledore's offer. Right. It's all... A bum. Like, you know, like, you see that, like, he's realized things and, like, wants to change for the better, but is not given the chance uh-huh. to again. It's it's a, it's a little tragic, for sure. Yeah, definitely. But I just, like, I, I mourn for the fact that, like, whatever the contrary is said, what I believe about the way the Wizarding World begins to function after this war is over... Like, he's not going to be treated well. And the Malfoy name does not hold any respect anymore. Right. And, like, I don't think that he will be allowed to, like, participate in, like, survivor privileges Mm -mm. to, like, deal with the war. Right. I doubt it. No. Why would you let a Death Eater do that? Right. I don't know. It's hard. It's one of these things, like, what do you, what do you put into function? Like, what do you, what are we going to do with these white supremacists today? Are we going to try and rehabilitate them? I don't know. Mm -hmm. It's easier to talk about in a fictional setting, which is where that, like, restorative justice, like, comes out and it feels good. And then you try and, like, all right, let's take that out into the world. It's it's a lot harder. Right. (laughs) (laughs) But I don't know. I just, like, there needs to be things in place at Hogwarts, and there needed to be during the series anyway, Mm. not just after the series, but definitely after the series, they better have some fucking counselors at that school. I know. And out in the world. And out in the world, too, like, at St. Mungo's or at the Ministry or wherever, like, they just... There needs to be something... Like a, like how now we've got the like easy accessible um, therapy through like apps that connects you with therapists or whatever. It's like yeah. flu therapy, right? You know, <laughs> pop in for half an hour, right? Just the head, just the head through the fireplace, <laughs> like whatever. You know, it there's be. there's got to be something. There's no way, and we get it. The 40s, no chance. Right. No chance on that one after that war. But, like, it's the 2000s, and (laughs) they're ready to go to therapy. Right. (laughs) So, like, they can fucking do it. Yeah. Emerge out of (laughs) the Salem witch trials. I know. And, like, live in the 21st century. Just... Be with the times. <laughs> Get with the times, Wizarding World. 
Yeah. Use pencils and nothing. Use pencils. <laughs> Stop using quills. Honestly, that 90s. would be the... It's the 90s. <laughs> I'm going to trans- write with quills anymore. <laughs> I'm going to transfigure my quill into a fucking bick. And you're going to have to deal with it. <laughs> it's still ink. <laughs> it's still ink. Oh, God. They have to have pencils. Hermione has an eraser. Hermione yeah. has an eraser. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god. Pens. Is that where we want to leave it today? <laughs> Get pens. <laughs> Modern day Hogwarts better have pens. Ugh. Get some pens. Go to therapy. Talk about your issues, Harry. And then maybe by the time we get to, like, the 3000s, they'll have technology there. <laughs> Man. This was a deep and dark one, guys. <laughs> it was. I hope interesting though. Like we're very, I'm sure you can tell, very passionate about mental health. Yeah, yes. This subject and like, I don't know. Dive deep, get real. It's just something that's not talked about a lot, and I feel like it should be. Yeah. Formulate your ideas about how you how you want these characters to heal. Mm-hmm. Get with it. Get some healing yourself. <laughs> <laughs> Talk about your problems. Stop keeping them inside. I know you're sitting in the dark, crying in your bed, listening to this podcast at night. Of course. Don't do it. (laughs) Don't do that anymore. Listen to it and be happy and talk to somebody about why you're crying so much at night. (laughs) Therapy is good. (laughs) Therapy's good, you guys. Do something to help yourself today. Right. Read some Harry Potter. Or watch a movie. Live your best life. Eat some chocolate. (laughs) And you know what? Follow us on Twitter. (laughs) (laughs) That'll make you the happiest you've ever been. That'll make me happy. Yeah. Honestly, that'll cure my depression. (laughs) I would also be really happy if you emailed us. (laughs) You know the stuff. Or, like, subscribed and followed and rated us. Left a review. At Myrtle Bath Pod. On all of it. Not all of it. Just Twitter and email. Why the fuck would we have an Instagram right now? Who who cares? (laughs) Who cares? You don't want to see our faces. <laughs> you know, something something interesting, I wonder if we need to, like, start putting this into practice, is that I've heard that, um, that women doing podcasts always save their plugs to the end. Oh, really? And that men in podcasting who are successful do it right away at the beginning and don't beg for it. Oh. Well, maybe the next time we record, we'll just plug ourselves in the beginning, and maybe that'll make you guys... Maybe people just, like, give up halfway through our podcast, and then they never get to our plugs. (laughs) Maybe we'll say it right off the bat next time. But I would say this for sure. You know, do all the stuff. We love it. But I think, most importantly, we would really appreciate it if you shared our podcast with a friend, Mm -hmm. with somebody that you know likes Harry Potter. Yeah. Um... Do it now so that they can listen to all the fun stuff before we start up on Prisoner of Azkaban. Yeah. <laughs> the movie commentary track. Oh, boy. You know so, what? The book club for that one will be really good. Listen, the book clubs are all going to be really good, but watch out. This was the last movie we liked for a while. Chamber of Secrets was, yeah. Bye. Three, four, five, six are all going to be bad. Five maybe won't be awful because there's some parts of that movie that we really like, but... Three, four, and six will be nasty. We'll see. <laughs> at least we'll round it out good at the end because we like the Deathly Hallows yeah. ones for the most part. Yeah. 
So we're going to, I'm sure, talk about this next week, but I want to make sure that I say it now while it's on my mind um, for the two of you still listening (laughs) to the end of this nightmare. Um, We're going to be coming back next week. Um, We're not doing a commentary of the movie yet. We're going to save that for a minute, but we're going to watch the movie again, watch all the deleted scenes and stuff, kind of come back with that, and we're also going to come with, like, thoughts and opinions about people's thoughts and opinions about this movie. Yeah. Um, because we went off for, like, half an hour about it last time we ended up accidentally talking about it. So, we're going to come back with all that. It's going to be another long one. I hope you guys are all fine with these podcasts are getting so long. I think this one is probably going to turn out to be a long one, too. So, So, uh, sorry about that. Our average might turn into, like, over an hour. All right. Sorry, everybody. But, um... We're coming back next week with that, and then I think what's going to happen is we're going to take a week or so off, kind of collect our thoughts on what we want to do. Most likely we'll be coming back with Book Club. I think so. Um, it's been a while. It's It's so been a minute for us in the way that we're break. doing it. So we're going to try and do that. Um, We'll come back with more information about that when the time comes. So, when we figure out our reading schedule for Prisoner of Azkaban, we will put it on Twitter so you guys can know what to read to follow along when we start that. I'm guessing probably, like, early March will be when we maybe start book club. Yeah, probably something like that. So, we're going to enjoy the, like, two seconds left of February that we have. (laughs) And then, um... Two seconds? It's only the ninth. (laughs) (laughs) It feels like it. Well, anyway, thank you guys so much. We love and appreciate you. Take care of yourselves. Kisses forever. Love you. Bye. Thank you.